Uh, good morning. Is everybody doing all right today? Um, today, can anybody hear me good? Can anybody understand my accent? I've had several say, what'd you say? Uh, so uh, Beth is usually my interpreter, and uh, I'm going to begin, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to share uh, today from one book, and uh, it's, it's the book of Jonah, and uh, uh, you can start looking for that, that'll be your outline for what I'm going to share, and I'm going to share one point. We'll have a one-point sermon, so don't fall asleep between points, okay? There's one, there's one. And so while you're looking for that book of Jonah, uh, I want to share a little bit. Uh, yesterday, Beth and I had to, we had to go see her uncle. Her aunt died about a month ago, and we went down to uh, Springfield. 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 We went through the holy city of uh, Plains. Uh, Plain City. Plain City, yeah. And uh, that's where Blaine's church is for 13 years. How about that? That's awesome. But um, anyway, I thought I'd share a little bit, and, and we'll talk a little bit about, it's hard to read Jonah without talking a little bit about, about missionary. You know, if you, if you didn't get the message yesterday about God's hand on your shoulder, then maybe you'll get it today. So we're glad you're here. And while you're looking for the book, uh, I want to share something with you, and uh, if you can't see me that well, you need to move up. Um, okay? What, what I thought might be interesting, um, I have funny thoughts, weird thoughts from time to time. Beth will tell you that. And uh, have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered why there's 12 inches in a foot? Is that something you lie awake at night and think about, is it? Or, or, uh, why, why is there 60 digits on a clock? Or why? It's getting deep, isn't it? Uh, why, is there, um, why is there 360 degrees in a compass? You ever think about that, Tad? We've lost him already. Uh, would somebody uh, punch him every once in a while, Claude? Uh, but everything, the odd thing about that, you know, why, wouldn't it be easier if it was just 10 inches in a foot? Wouldn't that be better? Don't you think so, John? Uh, or, or why? Well, wouldn't it be better if it was like 100 degrees in a compass? Or, or 50, 50 digits in a clock? It'd be so much easier because of the way we think, right? Hello? Come out and play. Um, but but we, have, we have 12 inches in a foot, and we've got, um, we've got 60 digits in a clock, and 360 degrees in a, in a compass. Everything's divisible by 12. Everything's divisible by 60. Isn't that odd? It is said that in ancient Mesopotamia, in ancient Mesopotamia, that they developed a system of counting. You still glad you came this morning? Yeah. Uh, they, de they developed a system uh, of, of counting, and, and you know, they were the first to do that that we know of, and, 
uh, brilliant people. And, and here's, here was this, here's the way the system worked. Now watch. Is everybody ready? All you have to know to know how to count in ancient Mesopotamia, you had to know your right hand from your left hand. Let me, I want, so you don't get confused, your right hand from your left hand. Okay, you got that? That's all you had to know, was your right hand from your left hand. Do you remember when you first learned that? you remember when you first learned that? Uh, when I was a kid, my mother, she taught everybody how to take piano. And, and I may mention this one night, that, that, that she could work with anybody except me and Sam. I guess we were just uh, more gifted and uh, had our own way of playing and our own way of... But anyway, she'd send us to Miss Cornette. Miss Cornette taught every other kid in my hometown of Appalachia. If you were in Appalachia, your fingerprints were on her piano. And so the day I arrived, I came in and I sat down at the piano. Miss Cornette said, in here, Joe, I'm in here. And I walked in, I'll never forget it, and I sat down at the piano. She said, just sit right here, Joe, just sit right here, honey. And, and, and I sat down, and uh, um, she said, Joe, I'm going to show you how to play the piano today. I said, well, great. I, I've got one day free this week, you know. <laughs> and, and, and she said, all you have to know, Grace, all you have to know to play like Grace is, is middle C. Isn't that right? LAUGHTER uh, uh, Whatever you want to believe. <laughs> <laughs> so play middle C here. Okay, and everything to the right of that is? Treble flat. Treble. Do you hear that? And everything to the left is? Bass. Bass. And, and, and she told me that. She said, Joe, this is middle C. It's the most important key on the piano. And everything to the right, everything to the right is treble. And everything to the left is bass. And I thought, goodness gracious, there's nothing to this. I've got this thing knocked down. And, and, and so we began the lesson. And, and uh, you know, I was walking home. I thought, I felt like Liberace or somebody like that, you know, a Beethoven. I thought, what's next, Lord? And, and uh, so we, we continued with the lessons. And, 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 uh, but she said that first day, she said, uh, all you have to know, Joe, middle C, treble, bass, and she said, all you have to know is your right hand from your left hand. Treble's on the right. Bass is on the left. I thought, golly, this is really something. This, I said, how do I know that? She said, it's easy. She said, she said that the right hand is closest to the door. And the left hand is closest to the, uh, to the TV over there in the corner. I said, wow, this is awesome. This is so awesome. And I said, this is great. This is great, Miss Cornette. And, and so things progressed nicely. And then one day I walked, in, I walked in her living room and she had moved the furniture. <laughs> and, and so that, that was the last of my lessons, Grace. You know, I, that, was, that was where things kind of end that, that uh, all you have to know is your right hand from your left hand. In counting in Mesopotamia, that's all, that's all you had to know, really. And I'm going to show you how it's done. Now watch. Take your right hand. Right hand. And if you'll take your thumb, if you'll take your thumb and, and if you can point down to that, to that bottom 
That bottom joint, that's one, middle joint's two, upper joint is three, go to the middle finger, bottom joint is four, middle joint five, upper joint six, ring finger, bottom joint seven, eight, nine, little finger, 10, 11, 12. All things divisible by, by 12. And, and they, they say, wow, this is a way of counting. And, and just like the counting that we do, like when you go to school, you, you, you knock down the, the you know, you, get, you learn the tables, the multiplication tables, the addition, and all that stuff, and, and then it gets a little deeper. You learn algebra, you learn calculus, and it gets a little deeper. In ancient Mesopotamia, it did too, because it went from 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. They thought if this is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, they said this is 12, 24, 36, 48, and bring that across, 60. All things divisible by 12, all things divisible by 60. You with me? So when they learned that, when they learned that, they, thought they were developing this system of, of counting. And then it came to the point when they said, if this is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 12, 24, 36, 48, 60, they went to the other hand. And they said this, this is 60, 120, shoulder 180, shoulder 240, elbow 300, wrist 360. All things divisible by 12, all things divisible by 60. You got that? You see, and all you had to know was your right hand from your left hand. If you've ever seen, if you've ever seen a, an ancient compass, now think a minute, you'll see that a lot of times, especially those oldest compasses, they'll have a man's upper torso there on the dial. You ever see that? And his hands are out like this. You know why? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twelve, twenty-four, thirty-six, forty-eight, sixty, sixty, hundred, twenty, hundred, eighty, two, forty, three hundred, three sixty. All things divisible by twelve. All things divisible by sixty. And and you'll have a man. Now you think you can go online and look at this, but you'll have a man and and his hands will be out like this, and it'll be his upper torso because they believe that a man's worth was in his upper torso. You see, that, that he knew his worth, his value, because of that upper torso. Okay, you ready? You with me? And, and uh, all I had to know, though, it's so imperative, it was so important that, that he knew, that, that he knew his right hand from his left hand. See, now when you leave, you, you're not going to say, well, Joe taught me something today. It's the first time he's ever done that. So... Uh, now, in the book of Jonah, just wanted you to know that and wanted to teach you that so you'd feel good about this session together. But what, all we're going to do is go through this. You know this story. I'm just going to point a few things out to you. We're going to go for the one point, okay? And, and, and then we'll, we'll go eat. Okay, that's pretty cool. That's, so uh, uh, if you hear my stomach growling, you know I've gone too long, right? So uh, now, now look at this. 
And let me say the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now listen to this scripture. We're gonna, I'm going to read some. We're going to skip over. I'll just talk about it and, and maybe even share a story or two. You never know. Beginning with chapter 1 and verse 1. The Lord gave the, this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Nineveh what was the capital of an area called Assyria. Assyria was once called Mesopotamia. Wow, are you kidding me? You know what I know about Mesopotamia? One, two, three, four, five, right? Nineveh was the capital. It was a wicked place. It was a wicked place. It was the people you rooted for against. It's people that frightened you. When you heard stories that came out of that area, they were cruel people. Uh, uh, it was an area located between the Tigris and Euphrates River, uh, rivers, and, and um, it, it was a place to be avoided, truly, and a people to be avoided. And, and they're always coming into conflict, uh, conflict uh, with this group of Assyria. Okay, now get this, get this. And, and Jonah is considered a minor prophet really because it's a shorter book. That, that's about the, re uh, the only reason, really. It's an important book. It's an important book. So anyway, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh, capital of, of Assyria, which is formerly known as, yeah, okay. Uh, announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. Wow. What did God mean by wicked? That's what we're going to find out. We're going to find out what God means when he talks about wickedness. Okay, now keep that in your mind somewhere. Just kind of, kind of plug that in. We're going to find out what what he refers to, what he's talking about when he talks about, when he talks about wickedness. He says, "I've seen how wicked, how wicked, its people are." But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction. He did not know, or he did not want God messing with that country because he knew God was a God of grace and mercy. And he hated those people. Sometimes God calls us to go and minister in places or even with people that we don't care for. It may be across the sea or it might be across the street. And God puts people on our hearts or he speaks to us like he did Jonah in one way or another. And he says, you go. And said, Lord, I don't care about those people. I, I remember when the Lord opened the door for me to go to a Costa Rican minister years ago and and I straightened him out real quick. I said, Lord, I don't care anything about those people. And I, I, and I, went, and, and I went to a, a, a mission meeting in our conference to deal with that. And they said, let's go around the room and share about why we want to go to Costa Rica and minister to those people. And they came to me and they said, how about you, Joe? Why do you want to go with the group? I said, I don't care anything about those people. And they about shot me right there. They, they took my mission credentials. You know, I was... But uh, by, between then and six weeks later, God changed my heart. And, and God may be touching your life and, and, and saying, I want you to go and minister to these people again across the street or across the sea or whatever. And, and down deep you're thinking, you don't always verbalize. You say, I really don't care about those people. And, and Jonah did not care about those people in Syria. They were cruel. And whatever they got, Jonah thought it's good enough for them. You know, because they were mean. And, and uh, so he took off. It's like if you were going from, 
If you were going from L.A. to Chicago, I mean L.A. to New York, you'd go by Honolulu. That's the way he went, you know. He went in the opposite direction. It says there that but Jonah, Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction in order to get away from the Lord. And he went down, that's verse 3, he went down to Joppa and he got on a boat. And as he gets on the boat and, and, and the people are there, and, and they set sail, and a storm comes up, a big storm. It's so big that people are frightened. And these guys are, are, are uh, advanced in their studies of, of, of handling boats and seas like that, but they were scared to death. They began to call on their gods. And, and finally, they, they saw that they were getting nowhere, and, and, and the seas got rougher, as you read on in that chapter. And, and Jonah goes kind of a blow in, in one version. In my version, it says, in the hole, so to speak. And, and he falls asleep. And, and finally, they go and wake him up, and they say, call out to your God. And he said, he said, I'm the problem. He said, throw me in the water, and, and you can deal with that. Just, and they didn't want to do that. And they were trying every way and, and everything. That they said, no, we don't want to throw you in the water. We don't want to do that. We don't, we don't want to be like that. And, and, and it got rougher and rougher and rougher. And you read on. He says, throw me into the sea, verse 12. 13, they, they argued with him. Now, here it is. This is so cool, man. In verse 15, finally, the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. And then this next verse, this next verse, uh, 17, you, you'll want to mark in your in your Bible, mercy and grace, mercy and grace, because God's mercy and God's grace comes in different sizes and shapes and, and comes in, in weird sizes and shapes, because a lot of times the way he deals with us, you, you know, it, it's not something that we, we recognize as being his mercy and his, his grace, his love for us. You know, we don't see that, but look what happened. Now the Lord had arranged, see, for a great fish, or a whale as we call it, you know, but a great fish uh, to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days. Again, God's mercy and grace take strange form here. Years ago, uh, when, when we pastored in, uh, in Chattanooga in that area, I was in the church office one day, and this lady called me, and she said, uh, Joe, this is Peggy. Uh, I said, hey, Peggy, how you doing? Peggy was an outstanding lady in that church. She said, Jim's, Jim's been arrested again. And Jim was her son and her oldest son, and Jim was awesome. You know, he's a great guy. He just had a drug addiction. I mean, it's bad news. He's a great person, but, but he had this horrible drug addiction, and he'd been arrested for the third time, and Peggy said, he's going to jail this time. They'll send him to jail. Third offense. He's done. Will you talk to him? <laughs> and I said, Peggy, you know, he needs Jesus. And she says, I know that. You, you tell him. And, and we'd all told him twice, you know. But anyway, he, he came by the office. When they say you're going to jail, it's a different ballgame. Different ballgame. So he comes in and he sits down. And I said, Jim, you need Jesus. <laughs> and he began to cry. You know, when you're going, when you're going to prison, it's a different ballgame. And uh, so I shared with him, and, uh, and he accepted Christ. And, and you always wonder, you know, he's going to jail, and, 
And so, you know, I accept anything, right? You know, that, that he's going to jail. Just get me out of this. But, but it wasn't. It didn't seem to be that way, but I didn't know. So I prayed with him. He went to court, and then he went to jail. So one day, one day I was, I was sitting with him. I went to visit, and, and you'd sit, you'd go in these rooms, and you got a table about as far, it's about as wide as I am from Beth, and, and you, you talk. You know, this, is a, this was our first visit. And Jim leaned over us as far as he could get to me. And he said, Joe. And I, I said, what? <laughs> he said, there's criminals in this place. <laughs> I said, bingo, brother. You're one of them. These are your brothers here, huh? And uh, <laughs> that began a friendship where he would rise up and be the leader in that church and turn that thing upside down. His going to prison, God's mercy and God's grace changed his life, changed the course of that church. That testimony, I had his funeral just uh, a couple of years ago, I guess, and, and he was killed in a motorcycle accident. He had been out with the bikers, uh, a Christian group of bikers that that would go in different areas and witness in that area. He's a tremendous uh, ministry, but uh, his funeral, well, it was so big, I can't get everybody in the church. It was just an incredible, and I, I, thought about, I thought about this verse, really. So I, I can't read through this verse without, without thinking about it. The Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. Now, he's inside the fish. You know, I've seen some great fish. <laughs> Not as great as I tell people, but I've seen some great fish, you, you know. Uh, um, and I, and I've, I've eaten a few, a few more than my share, but I've never had any desire to spend any time inside those suckers. Have you? I really haven't. And, and so he's in this fish, and, and he calls out to God. He calls out. He takes, an, he takes an honest look, a long, honest look at a short, dishonest life is really what he does in this section. He, he prayed. He prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fist. He said, I cried out to the Lord, this chapter 2, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. And, and it goes on in verse 4 and says, I, I said, O Lord, you've driven me from your presence. How will I ever again see your holy temple? So, I mean, he's opening his heart. And God's bringing, you know, he had he had a, what we would call, it's like the prodigal son. When the prodigal son, uh, when, he, when he took off and, and spent his inheritance, you remember that? And then he's in the pigsties and eating with the animals. He said, goodness, the slaves at daddy's house eat better than this. I'm going home. And, and, and you, you know the story. The thing about it is, is when, he was, when, he was in the, when he was in the gut of a pigsty or what have you, he had a... He had a holy memory, you know, that, that, that uh, his daddy had planted seeds in him, that he had holy thoughts. You know what I'm saying? That, that when I was out running across uh, hitchhiking in different parts of the world when I was a teenager, I knew my mother was praying for me. I had, I had holy memories. And I knew she was praying for me. It made all the difference in the world. And, and uh, this guy evidently had, had those holy thoughts too. When I'd lost all hope, verse, uh, verse 7, 
I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their back on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill my vow. For salvation comes from the Lord, and the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah up on the beach. Golly, whew. That, 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 that is, that's bad news, isn't it? Um, he ends up where he started. Yeah, interesting that, that, that so often when we run from the Lord and, and, and finally we, we fall on our face, he takes us back. You know, it's like, it's like you're, you're at the altar and, and you've got a real guilt upon your heart and, and um, something you've done or someone you've hurt or something and, and God wants to deal with that. God wants to deal with that. I had a lady one time that uh, came to the altar and uh, she, had, uh, she had smoked several packs of cigarettes. She told me later before she came and drank a lot of coffee. And, and, and you come to the altar and I can't hear worth a hoot, so I'm getting close, you know. And it about knocked me out just smelling the breath. I, I shouldn't tell that, should I, Beth? Beth, tell me about that later. I'm sorry. But um, when I was praying with her, you know, I said, what would you like to pray about? She said... And she's a new Christian. She said, uh, my sister. She said, I hate my sister. And you could just feel the resentment rise up. And, and I, I, I'm thinking, what am I supposed to say to this person, Lord? And it's like the Lord said, ask her what the sister weighs. You know, I, I know better than ask any woman what they weigh. Amen. But... Uh, I said to her, I said, amen, Beth said, amen. Uh, I, I knelt down and I said, uh, and I really felt that. I know that's a weird thing. I didn't know her sister. She said, she said, I, I hate my sister, Joe, and I'm trying to be a Christian, and it keeps coming in my mind. And, and uh, I said, what does she weigh? And she said, what? I said, how much does your sister weigh? And she said, I don't know, 150 pounds or something. I said, that's a lot of weight to carry. And I told her the story in ancient Persia. In ancient Persia, Persia, when you killed a person, they didn't do anything to you. In ancient Persia, when you killed, if I killed John, they wouldn't do anything to me, except they would attach his corpse to my back. And everywhere I went, I had John with me. Okay? We'll not demonstrate that. I, I, I did think about that, but... But everywhere I'd go, John would be on my back. And then after a while, John would begin to deteriorate and rot. And his rotting corpse would set up disease in my body, and it's a horrible death. I told that lady that. I said, you're carrying the corpse of your sister, really? And uh, she said, she's not dead. I, I said, but you're carrying that, and she's becoming death to you. And, and that's where you've got to let things go. You know, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And, and uh, so I told that lady, I said, let's deal with your sister because every time you come to this altar, and she came, she came all the time, I said, you always bring her up because God's putting that on your heart because, and he brings you back where you are before you can deal with the other issues of life. He wants to deal with the thing that's pulling the stand. You understand? You know what I'm saying? That, that you got hatred or you got bitterness or you, 
you've got these feelings for, for someone or against someone, and every time you come, every time you come to the altar and you want to deal about new life, and Lord bless me and my family, and God says, what about your sister? Let's deal with your sister because she's blocking you. And, and right here, you know, he's ready to move on, and, and God brings him back. He brings him back exactly where he was. And look what happened. Chapter 3. We're about done. See, we're doing well. One point. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. You don't say no a second time. You know, you might get away with it, and he didn't get away the first time, but a second time God came to him. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message of judgment I've given you. In other words, we've already talked about this. We've already talked about it. Let's settle this issue, and this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command, and he went to, Gen uh, he went to Nineveh. And uh, so often, a lot of the pain we, uh, we go through is not just a pain of preparation, it's a pain of communication. And, and he's more believable now, isn't he? He's covered with seaweed and smells of fish. Goodness, can you imagine how that fish fell? You know what? You know what? <laughs> Can you imagine how good that fish felt when he threw him up? And he probably turned his buddies and said, never eat one of one, uh, never swallow one of those things, you know. But anyway, he goes to Nineveh and he preaches, and you can read this. And, and, and then when he went there, instead of doing really what he wanted, he did what God wanted. Now, let's stop there a second. Do, do, you, uh, do you ever imagine how it would be. You think of people, and sad to say, most of us wanted to think very long. Think of people you don't like. You know, uh, you know think of people you don't like. W would things change any if we, stopped, if we stopped cursing people and accusing people and started blessing them? Revelation 12.10 Satan's the accuser of the brethren, right? The devil's defeated by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, verse 11. You remember that? He's the accuser. He's the accuser. Um, Hebrews 7, 25. Jesus. Jesus said, I will pray for you. I'm your intercessor. I will bless you. We have to stop and ask ourselves, whose side are we on? Are we on the devil's side in cursing people? Are we on Jesus' side lifting them up? What would change in our hearts and what would change in their lives because we serve the living God? If instead of cursing them and calling down the vengeance of God upon them to say, bless them, Lord. I'd be a hypocrite, Joe, not long. God would deal with you on that. I say that from personal experience. That if you change sides, because if you're cursing people, and, and that's what Jonah was doing, that, that he was really putting himself on the side of the accuser. Whose side are you on in dealing with those kind of situations? So he goes and he preaches. You with me? You still there? We're getting there. Okay, we're getting there quicker. Okay, let's do that. Uh, in chapter 3 there, they repent. I mean, if you're reading this for the first time, you're thinking, can you believe that? They repented. And of course, he wasn't, he wasn't happy about that. Now look at this. 
<laughs> this book is so real. You know, they have a citywide fast. I mean, they wouldn't even feed the animals. The dogs are, are hungry at home thinking, what's going on? That, they have a citywide fast and God answers. When God in verse 10 of uh, chapter 3, it says, um, when God saw that they had put a stop to their evil ways, he had mercy on them and didn't carry out the destruction that he had threatened. God did what God wanted to do, not what Jonah wanted him to do. Isaiah 55, his ways are not our ways, right? And, and uh, so, so he does what he wanted to do. Now look what happened. When chapter 4, we're finishing up. This change of plans upset Jonah. And he became very angry. Okay? Now get a hold of it. He, 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 he's really, well, let's read on. Let's read on. Look at this. And he became very angry. Now look at this. So he complained to the Lord about it. Now this is so true. Didn't I say before I left home you, that you would do this? Didn't I say that, Lord? That is why I ran to Tarshish. I knew, it says, I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God. He knew. You can look in, in Ezekiel 18 and he talks about that. He knew uh, that God was gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. I knew how easily you could cancel your plans for destroying these people. And he's upset because he, he was on the side of the accuser, and he's really upset. He said, God, I know you. And, and, and you think about that. that, that some, we know how God's going to act. We really know what he wants us to do so often, but, but we turn and go our own way. And that's what he did. And what's the response to this? Now, look, this is interesting, these last few verses. He says, Jonah also says, just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive because nothing I predicted is going to happen. He, he's suicidal now as we look at this. That, that most who are upset with God, most people who are upset with God and upset with his people are usually upset with themselves. You know that? It's not just about, it's not about God and, and people so much. It's about us. He, he struggled with himself, and he began to whine. He, he began to have a whiner's convention, right? And, and he wanted God to change his mind, and, and he goes and he mopes, and, and he's griping. And, and verse 3, look at verse 3. Jonah went out to the east side of the city, made a shelter. He sits under it. He waited to see if anything would happen to the city. And the Lord arranged for a plant. You know how it grew over him and it shaded him. And Jonah, it goes on, and he says, Jonah was grateful for the a plant, but God also prepared a worm that ate the plant and, and, and deals with Jonah. And then Jonah says, in verse 8, the last part, death is certainly better. Death is better than this. Don't ever think that you can obey God a little bit. You know, when, when I made a commitment to follow Jesus and, and then he began to open another door for ministry, I thought, well, I, I'm kind of enjoying where I am. You know, I, I, Lord, I'm okay. I'll, I, I want to go on. I was a last semester college student, and I had my own plans. And I said, Lord, I made a commitment to you. 
And, uh, and he opened the door, and, and I really felt a call to ministry. And, and I, I thought, nah, I don't want to do that. And my brother, my oldest brother, was a minister, and he went to uh, a liberal seminary. And, uh, and he even had the, uh, the uh, uh, dean of missions, uh, admissions and all of that, to call me from that school. And uh, I said, goodness gracious, I don't want what you did to my brother. I, I don't want the way you messed him up. And, and it, it became, but I, I, that was my excuse too, to obey God a little bit. And then I, I began to realize I couldn't. And so I, I, I decided to go the whole way. And what, what happened? He gave me Beth. Okay. Scored that, didn't I? Okay, here it is. Let's, let's close this out. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? And yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant. You did nothing to put it there. And the plant is only at best short-lived. But Nineveh, now look at this. Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. And the Hebrew can be translated there that Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who don't know their right hand from their left hand. Isn't that something? Is that, do you see that in the scripture? But we know, don't we? Why? Because we know the one, two, three, four, five, six. Why? What does that mean? What's he saying there? That Nineveh has 120,000 people that don't know their value. They don't know their worth before God. And if you don't know your value and you don't know how loved you are and that, and that God sent his son to die for you, if you don't know your value and your worth before God, you will live any way you want. You know that? You'll do things against God. You, you'll really mess up bad. You know what I'm saying? That if you don't know your worth, you're going to do things that will destroy yourself. You will. It's so important that we realize that, that uh, when, when Christ died for us, that, that tremendous sacrifice was because we are of great worth and we are greatly we are greatly loved. You with me? God deals with him. He deals with him here. And uh, let me close with a story. Years ago, years ago, um, there was a guy named Roy Mackle that lived in, uh, in South Carolina. And uh, Roy, and, and I had a friend tell me this story who was his pastor. And, and Roy, um, Roy had a nice family and had had a couple of kids, and then one day he was out cutting grass, and um, while he was cutting grass, um, his little girl came out in the yard to play, and, and they had a carport and a, and a little closet area kind of there as part of that carport, and in this where he kept a jar of gas, and it was up on a cabinet kind of, and the little girl walked in. She was just a tiny thing, really. And she walked into this, this, uh, this room, just fascinated and curious. And she saw that bottle, that jar, really. And, and she reached up to get it. And when she did, she knocked it off. And it fell on the concrete floor. And it broke. 
and there, and there was a water heater over here, and it hit the pilot light, and there was an explosion. And, and Roy saw, you know, when he heard the explosion, he turned, and he saw the fire, and he ran over there, and he grabbed, a, grabbed his, his daughter and, uh, and, and put her in the grass there and, and put the fire out. And uh, two or three days later, she died. And uh, my friend that had the funeral a few days after that, he said that, he said at the graveside, Roy was standing there kind of leaning against the post of a tent, and, uh, and he was standing there, and uh, Roy was there with, with his arms bandaged, his, hands and ar his arms and hands just bandaged all the way up from putting that fire out, uh, his little girl. And um, he said, I looked at Roy, and we got to the end of the service. And he turned quietly, and as he was leaving, I heard him singing. Lead on, O King Eternal, we follow not with fear. For gladness breaks like morning where thy face appears. And he's walking out, and my friend told me, he told me about Roy, and I thought, Roy knew his right hand from his left hand. He knew who he was in Christ. He knew that that, that he served a loving God. He knew he was of great value as his little girl was of great value. And that one day they'd be reunited. He knew who he was. So the question in our own lives, do we know who we are? Do we know our right hand from our left hand? Do we know our value? And, and when God speaks to us, whatever he's calling us to do, no matter how crazy it may sound, as going to a mission field again, whether it's across the street or, or across the sea, that we'll say yes because we serve a God that loves us. We serve a God that knows what he's doing. And we can honestly say and we can honestly sing, lead on, O King Eternal. So why don't we sing at least that one verse, okay? Can you play that, Grace? Let's stand while we sing together. And if you have need to come and pray today, we certainly in, invite you to do that. And somebody will pray with you if you'd like. Just lift your hand. But you know this song. We'll sing through it a couple of times. Lead on, O We follow not Sing that one more time. We don't
Father, we thank you. We thank you for the assurance we have in Christ Jesus, your Son, our Savior. We thank you for your great love for us. And Lord, uh, those people that we, have, we struggle with in reaching out to, we know all their faults, at least we think we do. We can uh, uh, enumerate them again and again and again. We can do that, uh, at least we think we can. Father, your call is upon our lives because there are no impossibilities with you. And, and if, if nothing else this morning, may each and every one of us know how greatly loved we are, that we are people of value. We know our right hand from our left. And Lord, you lead us to those people. Remind us again who those people are. And those people, those, those situations, those struggles we have, that every time we kneel at an altar, Every time we talk to you in prayer that keep coming to our mind, we don't want to deal with it. We'd rather talk about something else or some other situation, but you want to deal with that and settle an issue so we can move on, that we can move on in victory. There's much to be done. So I pray your blessing upon each one, Lord, and maybe today will be the day when we change sides. No longer being the accuser, but being the blesser. No longer being the, the accuser, but being the intercessor. No longer being the accuser, but being the one who lifts up and celebrates, opening the door, perhaps changing an attitude, changing a life. You lead us. Speak to our hearts. In the name above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming.